You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive coverage of Third Watch. We are still in the first season, the 11th episode, the halfway point of the first season, entitled Alone in a Crowd, aired January 17th to. Thousand and a uh, very interesting episode, lots to discuss as always. And I will start off by saying that my name is Ben, and I'm also aggressive when it comes to cars. Okay, and as you know, my name is Brandy, and I'm excited to do this episode as well. So you ready to get started, Ben? Always born ready. That's uh, that's what I'm here to do. Uh, but yeah, we're obviously coming off uh, a, sort of an ensemble episode where we just sort of had one main storyline involving the entire cast. I binned it for the very first time. I kind of feel dirty about doing that, but hey, look, whatever. I have to be honest. So we're now into back into uh, an episode involving a variety of different characters into different storylines that do intertwine with each other slightly. But we've got a lot of interesting things to discuss. And we're going to start off straight away with Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy, where we kind of touched on this last week that uh, we sort of do have a bit of a, a Jimmy-centric episode in, in many aspects. Uh, we, we hear that there's a fire with uh, multiple people trapped inside. So here come the fireies to save it. But, oh, no, there's a car blocking the door. Um, and uh, Jimmy supposedly was watching the door. But uh, some jag-off, if we use third watch terminology, has parked right in front of the firehouse. Why you would park there, I don't know. And my next question is, Brandy, this is a firehouse opposite a police station. Why are there no police officers giving this guy a ticket or towing him, knowing that he's parked outside a firehouse? Uh, (laughs) I have the same question. What idiot parks in front of a firehouse? An idiot who likes to get a baseball bat and bash up firefighters. That is true. That is such, you call him a jug-off, I call him... He's such a dick, dude. Yeah, he's a dick. He's, he's a big dick, right? He's a massive, massive dick. So that's <laughs> that's what we'll call him this episode. Uh, we, we do cut to the fire and uh, we, we see a, a kid just screaming his mum. He's up in uh, one of the, the higher floors and uh, Kim and Dad are there waiting and they're, you know, where the hell are you, Jimmy? Like, you know, because clearly Jimmy's the only firefighter in the entire city of New York. So <laughs> that's... Clearly, he's the only one who can save them. Uh, gets to the point where they just can't move the car, so they just ram this car out of the way. Uh, you know, it's, it's a cool little scene. I guess that's what firefighters would have to do. But sadly, they arrive too late. The mother has, uh, you know, she's panicking. She falls out of the window. Uh, she lands on her head. She's dead, uh, sadly. Um, and then Jimmy arrives. And, uh, you know, we've got this poor kid. He's obviously just seen his mum die in front of him. And, uh, yeah, Kim's basically like, what took you so long? And for some reason, they've decided to just leave this dead body laying on the street to not cover it up with a sheet or anything like that. Um, so getting like, I was hoping, like, somebody was going to shield the kid because you kind of saw that was going to come. I mean, you kind of... Yeah, I mean, look... I see it coming, too. And look... So I, you think... Like grab the kid, like look away, or like, hey, come on, let's go over this side or something. Yeah, and you analyze it slightly to the fact that you know they say she's dead because there's brain matter. So clearly, she's her skull's caved in. Let's we can't put it anything nicer than that. And they're just leaving a body on the street with the brain all over the street. So you know, it's um, yeah. So I mean. You knew she was done. <laughs> yeah, she did, uh, basically, to put it, you know, lightly. And, you know, poor boy, obviously, seen this happen. And, again, you're right. Like, why didn't they um, 
shield it from it. Anyway, uh, so we kind of cut between there. We've got Davis and uh, Sully. Uh, Davis has uh, got a flyer talking about a singles mixer at a church. Um, you know, Sally's there, you know, haha, how desperate are you? And she's like, oh, I've got a girlfriend. <laughs> so, uh, basically, it's kind of, you know, trying to hook Sally up again. Um, but then we, we cut back to, uh, yeah, the, the fire again. So is she the only person who died in this fire? Uh, is that what we're led to believe? Cause they're obviously very concerned about this boy and, you know, the, the brain matted mum all over the street. <laughs> but, um, Everyone was out besides her because she would go get the kitten. But I just love, for a second, I just love how Solly, like, is just dogging on Davis about this flyer. Yeah. And he's just you're desperate. And he was, <laughs> he was like, you're going to meet old people and, like, something. I forgot what he said. And church people. And Davis was like, I have a girlfriend. He's like, exactly. So why do you, oh. <laughs> we never see his love- girl. Why do we never see Davis's girlfriend? <laughs> I, I was doing the same thing. I was like, when did he have a girlfriend? I don't, because you forget about her. You forget that he's even, I thought he was single. I keep forgetting that he has somebody. No. Or did he just get he, um, I mean, you never see this one. I mean, he doesn't. You see a few on and off girlfriends across the years, but um, yeah. The the one thing too that again we said this last episode in terms of you know when Davis's mum is buying out of a mail order catalog. I think this dates it a little bit too that they're picking up flyers about a singles mixer. You know, I mean, this is twenty seventeen. They'd just be on Tinder. So, um, you know, <laughs> how people dated in the nineties, everybody. That was what Tinder was in nineteen ninety nine two thousand. You had a notice board at a church. I must admit, I missed, I missed some things. Like <laughs> you, sorry, you miss like, going to single mixes at churches, Brandy. Is oh, that no, what you're no, saying? I missed like, <laughs> miss the bulletin boards. That's why I got like a lot of ideas, like for my routine and stuff. So, but yeah, I miss the good old days when I met a good church boy at a singles mixer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, Dave, uh, Doc, and Carlos are uh, tending to a, a Chinese. Are they Chinese? Or are they? Uh, do we establish that they're, they're Asian? I'll just. I'll be politically correct. They're they're an Asian family who have traditional medicine. I mean, I'm going to assume it's Chinese because generally it's traditional Chinese medicine. But uh, it is. To play, okay. We'll, we'll say. Chinese. I think we're safe to say Chinese then. Okay. Um, if they're not Chinese, I apologize. But I'm pretty ninety nine percent sure they're a Chinese family. Uh, so they're obviously this this girl is very very sick. She's covered in acupuncture, and they've obviously been tre- treating her with traditional medicine rather than you know conventional Western medicine. And they're all obviously fighting it, saying like, no, 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 don't. You know, my father must come home. He must decide. And Doc and Carlos take her take her anyway because she's basically going to die. So that's obviously the ongoing storyline we'll have with um, Doc and Carlos throughout this one. Uh, we then get a bit of Bosco uh, and and Yokus. Uh, Bosco's got a new girl. So it was Melanie uh, or Michelle in the last episode. Now we've got Nicole. Now, Nicole, let's, let's lay this on the line right now here for our avid fans of Third Watch. We're talking about Davis not seeing his girlfriend, at least now. He has a couple across the years. Bosco... Off the top of my head, has two girlfriends uh, that are notable. One being one of your favourites. We won't necessarily not. They weren't really necessarily boyfriend and girlfriend, but they were sleeping together. Uh, but like this, Nicole is essentially the only long-term girlfriend that we have from Bosco expanding multiple, multiple episodes. That's, I guess, my point I'm trying to make here. So when we eventually meet Nicole at the end of this episode. She's an ongoing character for some time. And this is maybe one thing that does make me a little sad, but 
the more I think about it, it also does work in well to the character of Bosco, is that Bosco doesn't really have much of a love life. Um, but it still kind of works for the type of character he is. But at the same time, it's good to see Bosco having someone. So we're hearing about Nicole. She's a bit adventurous. She's a bit wild. They're going out partying. Uh, they're having sex a lot. He's had like a, an hour's sleep in three days. He's like basically complaining about it. I love it. I just love Bosco complaining about it. Like, I never thought I'd complain about this, but oh, I'm so tired. And then the best line of this all comes, of course, when they get the call over the radio to Yokus and, you know, we've got a possible DOA in a car. And then what does Yoko say? Oh, a stiff in a car. And then Bosco's like probably dating Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> I love how she just looks at him and smiles. Because yeah. she sees Bosco for the first time, like ever, like a child. Yeah. Just tired. <laughs> the look on Yoko's awesome. face is hilarious when he says that. It is. But yeah, it's great. <laughs> I, I love Bosco like having a bit of a romantics. Like, you know, like, I mean, I don't know about you how you feel about it. Because obviously, again, jumping ahead, we meet Nicole at the end of this episode, and I like Nicole. Uh, but, I, mean, I found her kind of boring, but I don't know. I just oh come on, wearing that coat and what she's wearing like, underneath it. <laughs> but hold on, it's been a while since I watched those episodes because some of those episodes I not proud to say this, I skipped. Oh, <laughs> so, so you're, like, you're going to be busy some. <laughs> at one point, I started skipping episodes just to watch my favorites. So, I mean, I'm gonna have to go back and watch a few of these episodes just to like get a different perspective now that I'm like older and more wiser I guess <laughs> I might have a different perspective so we'll see <laughs> yeah I, it's, it's 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 definitely though I like it's kind of like an ongoing thing you, you kind of forget how long Nicole's sort of involved with Bosco because this does stretch into the second season so um you know it's it's a pretty you know in, and it's it's sweet like I like um, you know the like it's not it's not like a very in depth storyline, but there are definitely uh, episodes with this in it that are that are really memorable and yeah, I like it. Um, we go back to the the fire. Uh, Jimmy with the kitten. Um, we find out that the boy's father's in St. Louis, so he's going to have to go with uh, children's services. Um, so uh, that kind of plays into it a little bit. But obviously, you know, Jimmy's still feeling a bit of guilt and remorse. You know, obviously this mother's died and it comes down to the fact that, you know, that car was blocking it. But we'll visit that soon. Um, back to just a quick little scene uh, back at the hospital with Doc and Carlos. They've brought, obviously, the girl in. Uh, but they're obviously very, very busy. Morales takes over. The girl with all the ancu- acupuncture. And they are off to do another uh, job. We'll get back to that soon. Uh, but then kind of we get the Sully Davis storyline from this episode. It's not about single church mixers. Um, they get called to a house where there've uh, been reports of a loud noise. We've got the nosiest neighbour in the history of the world. Um, basically, uh, heard a noise, knows everything about this guy, and eventually, obviously, Sally and Davis will get into this apartment and find a guy has uh, blown his head off. Sadly, but uh, that obviously comes into uh, a little bit. I do love that woman though. That 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 neighbour. <laughs> You know, the way she's, like, talking about stuff and she's just like, oh, you know, it could have been a gunshot, but it's not, not as loud as it is on TV, but it's definitely an explosion, definitely this, blah, blah, blah. He never comes and goes, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, like, um, you know, oh, did you go and knock on the door? Oh, I don't want to be nosy. <laughs> I just I just love it. <laughs> I just don't want to... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had neighbors like that. I think we all have had, like, one neighbor that's kind of like that. Yeah. Especially if you live in an apartment. You know, so it's just funny. I, I think that was done so well. I don't know the act- I don't know her name. I don't think she was a actress that was... But she just something oh, like somebody probably just... Surely she's credited here as neighbor or something like that, if I can quickly look. I mean, I'm assuming... I mean, she obviously <laughs> is an actress. 
Um, I just don't know if she has a character name. Um, looking here, I mean, I, there's a bunch of characters here. I don't know who they are, but there's elderly woman, but that looks things looks like one of the uh, the Chinese people. Just uh, Alice Chun Li. Um, I don't think we have any, like, Is she Marge? Laura Esterman? I don't know. Like, maybe she does have a character name, we just don't know it. But anyway, whoever that actress is, um, you are good. (laughs) It was definitely funny. (laughs) I like it when Davis is like, shall we kick the door in? And what does he, what does, um, Sully say? Like, calm down, Rambo. Like, how about we just ask the super for the key? (laughs) I love that part. He was like, he was so, like, a silent. Can I kick the door in? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, what else? What else have we got? Uh, oh, so th- this is the thing with this episode. We've kind of just done an episode where it's all like lumped together. This one really back and forth all over the place. Uh, I missed the Bosco scene when they find the guy in the car, and uh, you know he's like, "Oh, sure looks dead." And what does Yoko say? Like, "Oh, it's a lousy place to die." Oh, lousy place to die. This is the GTO. <laughs> and then, like, I love the, what is. What does uh, Bosco say? Something like, oh, we got reported that you're dead. And he's like, well, I'm not. <laughs> oh, man, I just want to jump forward so bad right now. But when he offers the guy an amount for the car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, we look, jump all over the place here because, I mean, there's so much to cover with this. But, like, I love the when he's, like, touching the car and he's asking all the questions. And he's like, hey, officer, get your hands off of my damn car. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, though. I love Kim in this episode. I had to say it because I know I've been like just ranking on her like these last episodes, but I love her in this episode. Have we even seen Kim in this episode yet? Oh, well, when she was at the beginning of it, but uh, yeah, yeah, we saw her and we see her coming up in a scene like very when they get on the scene. Oh, the Kim and and Bobby, but yeah, all right, we'll get to that. Yeah, no, that you're right. Sorry, I'm just I'm just going over my notes here because again, everything gets all over the place in this episode. Um, oh, we're back in the hospital with Doc and Carlos. Uh, we find out that the daughter dies, and we've got the dad coming in, throwing stuff and angrily throwing everything. And what is Carlos like? Call security. He's dangerous. <laughs> Morales is obviously all you know distraught and basically just saying like, well, look, you know, he just lost his daughter. Like, calm down. Uh, but yeah, Kim and Bobby. So basically, uh, Bobby is in this episode. I, you forget that. Uh, the Kim and Bobby stuff, like, it's interesting you say you like Kim in this episode, because to me, they're the most forgettable storyline in this whole episode. You barely no, even realise they're in it. Uh, as a parent, I'm looking at the parent episode, like, with the kid, how she, I don't know, with the kitten and everything. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a sucker at this episode. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, I mean, just, we all pay attention to the little things, but yeah, like, to me, it's not to take away from them, because, I mean, every episode we generally will get sort of, you know, the characters will have a very small storyline that doesn't really affect much. But, I mean, yeah, Kim and Bobby, by far, this episode, to me, have the least to do in this episode. Um, but we, yeah. we we get this bit where, obviously, Bobby uh, is trying to get his mum to meet up with Maddie's brother because uh, they're still not talking to each other since uh, he came out of uh, prison. But, um, obviously, Kim's, you know, saying about, uh, you know, this isn't a good idea. And then Bobby, you know, the mum shows up and talking about the 90-day chip or whatever it is. And Kim's sort of little quirk about, like, shouldn't they only count it from the time when they can't get... Uh, you know, their hands on some stuff. And then what does Matt, Maddie say? Like, oh, are you kidding? It's like the best stuff you get in prison. Um, and then it's 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 Bobby's mum's night at the rectory, so she can't come along to see him get his 90-day chip. Um, but I, I do like Maddie's line when he says, if you find any other ways to embarrass me, give me a call. That is like how Kim's like just... Nonchalant, she just that went well. She's just sipping her coffee, and she's like, "Would well, that work like a charm?" Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Like that's that's a great line from Kim when she says that. So, um, what else have we got here? Yeah, so we have. Oh yeah, Sally and David discovered suicide. We've covered that. Uh, so we're back to the the Jimmy storyline. Uh, so they're there uh, at the firehouse, and the Dick guy, big Dick guy. That sounds a bit inappropriate, but I think we know what we're trying to talk about. Uh, he shows up. Where's my car? My car was parked here. Uh, and obviously, you know, Jimmy basically saying like, "Dude, you parked in front of a firehouse." This guy is a dick because he doesn't care. Uh, and then Jimmy just kind of becomes a bit of a dick and says, "Oh, you should have seen it. We tore it up." Um, and then you know he's like basically saying like yeah come on you know have a go at me and he's got all these five boys there so he's like oh I'll come back uh, and you know spoiler alert he will come back uh, I love Jimmy's line I don't need an excuse to kick your ass <laughs> you have a nice day <laughs> that is like he's like I don't need no backup <laughs> yeah yeah he's ready to go I mean, he is but oh wow I will say that was kind of random it was a random storyline with that as well you know yeah, I, well, it's, I mean it's that. it is a ramp but I, I think it kind of it it's good for jimmy to get something to do jimmy obviously <laughs> i mean jimmy and bosco kind of have some parallels to them their characters and they obviously clash a lot but you know obviously jimmy you know he's ready to go to kick this guy's ass when he eventually gets brought in but um yeah it's it's kind of it is it is interesting sort of how it goes and yeah you kind of are right like i mean it's not a whole lot to this storyline, but I mean, the, the main central point of the storyline, obviously, is, you know, I guess the sad death of this uh, kid, but it's kind of like what I was saying, I think, last episode, how, yeah, you'd argue it's Jimmy or Sully's episode, because I think the stuff with Sully definitely takes over at the end, um, for sure, um, and I think it's an important episode, a very important episode for Sully and his character, um, which obviously... Spoiler we'll- alert, you're going to see Sully have a soft side. Oh, well, one. I mean, it's this is... This is this, I'll get to that scene at the end because that is a very powerful scene. Um, but so outside of the guy leaves and then we kind of get back to Bosco. They're still at this car. He's going under. He's looking at the serial numbers match and what does uh, Yoko say? <laughs> like, it looks like a piece of crap to me. Uh, and then basically the guy, the homeless guy comes back. Bot, this is what the scene you were saying about um, Bosco basically offering him $50 cash uh, for a car worth twelve five. And then I, I do like the sarcastic guy when he's just going like, oh, that'll get me a nice little apartment up on the Upper West Side, you know? <laughs> and he's basically going on about like, thank you, officer. Now my crappy life is, is not complete anymore. I wouldn't sell this car for a million dollars. You know, it's, it's I, nice. uh, I thought that was just awesome. That's my favorite scene besides Sully's out of this whole episode, especially he's like 50 whole dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this actor guy's good too. Like, uh, what's his name? Ron. Here we go. Vagrant in car. That's his name. Ron McClarty is the actor's name who plays uh, plays that character. And just looking here, uh, he's been active. He's uh, been in a lot of things over the years. Um, he was in. A, <laughs> here we go. He was in a TV movie in two thousand and five called uh, Trump Unauthorized, <laughs> where he played Fred Trump. And I've just clicked on the movie here. It was a look at the life of real estate king, media mogul, reality TV star, Donald Trump. Wow. Oh <laughs> what is going on with these two episodes? <laughs> that is the second time we mentioned his name. I just can't believe that now we've lost respect for him. Um, there we go. Uh, just actually oh, looking. He's, he's, actually, I didn't realize this. This is a new one here. So we've talked a lot about how... Um, Actors in Third Watch will be in one episode and play one character and then come back in the future and play a different character. 
Uh, well, we're going to see uh, Ron McClarty again in a few seasons because apparently uh, he comes back uh, and he, he's Fred's dad by the looks of things here, Grandpa Yokus. So uh, I didn't not- realise that. There you go. <laughs> that is, he must have been that good because he was. It's, like, I get it. That's a great scene. He's funny. I mean, Bosco and any upset, he's like, okay, okay, 300. But that's my match. It's like, Bosco, are you sh- yeah. He's so insulting. He's been a real dick here, but I mean, he does turn that around later on, obviously. But we get to that. But uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, we're would... talking about sort of like uh, you know Bobby and Kim's being a little bit pointless. I mean, you maybe argue it's kind of got a bit of a storyline there to do with Maddie, of course. But I mean, maybe you'd argue Bosco and Yokus's uh, storyline doesn't have a lot to. It. It's the comic relief for the episode, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of yeah. it's 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 interesting. It's it's good. Again, it's kind of what you're saying before about how. Um, with the Sully stuff, it shows Sully's lighter side and soft side. This shows, uh, you know, Bosco's sort of compassionate side a little bit when we get to the stuff that we'll get to as well. So, um, we'll get to that. Uh, back to Sully and Davis. They're back in the, um, uh, the apartment. Davis. I do like Davis. Though. He's like, how long did the detective say? How long's it been? <laughs> like, you know, he's so uncomfortable hanging around his body. And then, uh, obviously, Sully's like, oh, you know, go and check to see if he's got, like, a wallet or something like that. And I do love Sully just, you know, again, old hand Sully, being around this, seen plenty of dead bodies and all this sort of stuff along the years. And when Davis leaves the room, he just turns to the body and goes, kids, huh? <laughs> I just think he's just sitting there. Like, he would just be sitting down for breakfast while he's just waiting for the other people to the Emmy and like whatever he's waiting for to show up. Yeah. He's just yeah. <laughs> like you say, he's been around for so long. He's just like kids, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like he could just be breakfast right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, we we get kind of just a brief scene here before we get back to this uh, back at the firehouse uh, with uh, Jimmy and Doc and Carlos. Uh, they're playing football, uh, and what does what does Carlos say? Like. Oh, I'll come out and play, you know, because like, they, they want to go outside and play. And everyone's saying it's too cold to play. And Jimmy's like, "What is with everyone today?" Um, and then Carlos is all like, "Oh, I was quarterback in my, you know, junior varsity team." And uh, <laughs> Jimmy's like, "Oh, junior varsity, that's impressive." And then of course they're saying that Doc was like all American quarterback or something like that. And again, I don't, I don't actually know if they're they're legit because Doc says he is, but then like five minutes later he says, "Oh, you'll believe anything anyone says." So. It's kind of like a random throwaway line. Was was Doc actually a good football player, or like are they just being dicks to Carlos? Well, but then I was confused too because it's like, wait, I could see it, I could definitely see it. But then when he said you're so gullible, I was like, well, maybe he wasn't. But yeah, that was. It's kind of a random line, but I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's probably true. I, I don't know. Anyway, but we, we kind of the point of this the point of this scene really is to. Um, you know, Doc is basically saying, yeah, do you believe in traditional medicine? And Carlos is just like, you know, get my ass to a good American hospital. You know, because, you know, basically, as we'll see a lot in this episode, like Doc's saying, like, well, look, that girl was alive and then she died when we took the acu- acupuncture out. I really can't say the word acupuncture for some reason. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of just a little throwaway scene. But um, we go back to Sully and Davis and uh, Davis finds a wallet. And I love Sully's line, you're a bloodhound. Um, and then in this wallet, there's a photo, just happens to be, of uh, Sally, uh, of course, Davis's dad, and this guy who uh, turns out is um, uh, obviously, was it Sally's first partner, basically. So uh, this kind of sets it up for Sally, um, that, you know, it's kind of looking at this guy who he used to work with, who is maybe leading a very similar life to Sally, and obviously Sally's kind of thinking, well... 
Is this all I've got in the future? So it's uh, it's very morbid, really. But uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll come back to that. Anything anything to add, really, on that before we move on? No, I do love the setup. I think this was a. I think this was definitely a good character arc to explore of Solus. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. We'll get more to that, obviously, very soon. Um, kind of cut back to the hospital. We find out that the girl who died had meningitis. So uh, you know, all these uh, all these Chinese. Uh, family members who were very anti-Western medicine kind of will have to be brought back in again because they're all going to spread diseases across the city, basically. So uh, that's uh, going to be quite fun. We find out, uh, we see Detective McCready again. Yeah, he's back. Uh, but the guy was uh, Tommy. Um, and basically, Tommy was the one who told Sally to solve problems. Um, and uh, Sally says that uh, I thought he was a lazy old guy full of crap and I couldn't wait to get away from him. And then what does uh, Davis say? Like, oh, you don't, you know I don't think that about you. And of course, I was like, oh, of course you do. Um, so it's kind of, again, it's like it's a nice comparison scene and I really do like the Sully stuff that we get coming up, even though it's, it's very sad, but it's still, you know, I like it. Um, cut back to the firehouse. Uh, they're out front playing football and he's our massive douche guy. I'm just going to say douche, not massive dick guy. That sounds inappropriate. Uh, he has a baseball bat. Why not? Of course he would. Uh, basically, he confronts Jimmy and the other random firefighter guy who I don't think ever has a name. But anyway, he gets hit in the head um, with uh, the baseball bat. Jimmy gets hit in the ribs and this guy runs away. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, what, what, is the po- what is the point? What is this guy even like planning to do, right? He's a dick. He parks his car in front of the firehouse. He goes off and does whatever he does. He comes back. It's gone. He says, fuck you. I'm going to come back and bash you with a baseball bat, to which he does. Then he runs away. Then he eventually gets arrested. So this guy is a fucking idiot. He is. And uh, I think the uh, other fireman's name was Manny, if I'm Manny. correct. Yeah. But uh, he's definitely, it was definitely different. And Jimmy's like, you better swing that bat as hard as you can. And I'm just thinking, like, if that dude swings that bat as hard as he can, you think you're going to be able to, like, come back i don't know <laughs> yeah. it was definitely he's not thinking anything clearly i mean he didn't think in the first place to park his car in front of a firehouse and now he's not thinking he's just gonna you know knock down a couple of fdmy officers and get away with it i mean what i will say this i think this was powerful because for jimmy only because like we finally get to see jimmy acknowledge his actions in a way because yeah. jimmy has gone through like this season kind of just like doing whatever he fucking wants basically excuse my language but doing whatever he wants being Jimmy without any consequences and I think this is the first time that we see him kind of being self aware of like who he is. Yeah. Or like how his actions are kind of starting to hurt people around him. Yeah. And it's one that is just a little bit. But then he then he goes back to being Jimmy, of course. That is a very good point, Brandy. That is yeah, I definitely agree with that for sure. That is uh definitely uh very much I think what they've done there with that. Um because I mean it's important because you know, as we touched on I think last episode we do have a few Jimmy centric episodes to come. Uh, and then, you know, there's a lot of stuff that will continue to happen in this episode, uh, this season, where we find out a lot more about sort of some trouble that he's in. And I mean, obviously, the, the consequences that will have for him and Joey and Kim and his family, you know what I mean? Um, and, and one thing that I think it's kind of, it's always interesting with the Kim Jimmy storyline over the years is that we definitely have a period of time where like Jimmy is the massive screw up and Kim has to deal with everything. And then later on, we obviously get Kim is a massive screw up. So then Jimmy has to deal with the consequences. So it kind of, it does sort of balance it each, balance each other out very well. So, uh, I think that's done. Um, having to grow up during these. Yeah. I think we 
growing up. That's what it is. Like, we're seeing them grow up. Because we're both kind of, like, childish in our own way. And so it's definitely growing pain. For sure, for sure. Cool. And I think that kind of works in well. Like, you know, I mean, we, we could maybe imagine that these two got together over fleeting love and passion and, you know, got married quickly, had a child, and then obviously, you know, were madly in love. But then, you know, Jimmy being Jimmy did off what he did. And, like, you're right, like, they grow up over the years. And then, you know, eventually how the storyline turns out, you know, I think definitely the Jimmy Kim storyline is a very satisfying ending, I feel, over the years. So um, it's it's one of the it's one of the definitely story arcs with the major characters that I feel... I get some satisfaction out of. Uh, so, yeah. I, they did a great job. I think they did a great job keeping, like, the passion there throughout, even, like, through the struggles of this. I mean, there's always going to be, like, that moment where, like, they feel like they hate each other, but I think the writers did a great job of, like, crafting this uh, story arc. Yeah. No, completely, completely agree with you there. Uh, so, after the, the bashing... Uh, we get a little bit of a scene where Doc and Carlos go around to the uh, the young the daughter's house. Basically, says we need you to come into hospital and get tests. Um, and then the girl's like, "Well, where's my where's my uh, was it sister's body? You know, getting an autopsy. It's a law." And then basically, you know, you've got to come to the firehouse and get tested or do this or do that. And then she's basically like, "My father wants to kill you." And of course, you know, Carlos is like, "Holy fuck! Like seriously, you just told us where we are, you know, are." <laughs> Uh, which which does lead to a good scene coming up too, actually, but between the two. Um, cut back to Sally. They're back at the uh, the precinct, and we get to meet Candyman. Hello, Candyman. Um, remember him because he'll become a bit of a a major character. Sort well, not a major character, but he's a major side character for the rest of this season. You would say. Uh, particularly next episode is when we really get to see Candyman. Um, but he obviously has known Sully for a long time and Sully tells him about Tommy eating a shotgun. Uh, I do like that line, you know, because, like, obviously Sully's trying to find out, you know, his family and all that sort of stuff so he can notify someone. And what does, um, what does Candyman say? Like, a big night for Tommy was, uh, you know, seating his lazy boy in a, in a ball game. Um, and then basically, you know, just saying, like, oh, you know, he was a loner. Obviously, you know, really hitting Sully deep in the deep in the fields um and then we cut back outside the precinct bosco has arrested a uh, massive douchebag guy and then uh you know jimmy like yelling him yes that's the guy and bosco's like yeah that's why he's in cuffs uh, <laughs> and then i do i do like this scene between bosco and jimmy like again i've always said i like bosco jimmy sort of scenes with each other this is probably the only scene at least that i can think of where it's it's really like they're really going at it and seriously going at it. And this is more like a, a professional going at it rather than just like, you know, they're having little subtle digs at each other, if you know what I mean. And of course, Jimmy, Jimmy wants to like bash the shit out of this guy. And Bosco's like, no, you know, I can't let you do that. And Jimmy does make the good point. Like, you know, if this guy did this to a cop, you'd have him in an alley right now. Uh, and then, you know, Bosco basically like, look, I will arrest you right here, right now on duty firefighter or not. Um, so I, I, I mean, I, I think it's a great scene. I just wanted to stop on this scene here because, you know, I think these two, just the way they go off at each other and just the way they are, they're both hot headed, you know, young men. And it's just, yeah, it works, works really well. But it is true. I mean, like if they were cops, that dude would be in the alley right now. I mean, we've seen it with Bosco, how he does it. Like when a cop gets hurt, he goes after somebody. But, um, I do want to touch back on when the girl, when they go visit the family's house and the girl opens the door and she's like, my father wants to kill you. I was just kind of like taken away by that. Cause I'm like, in real life, I don't, what, 
what were the consequences of that being said? Because it was just taken so lightly. Doc is like, oh, don't worry about it. She's angry. But my father wants to kill you. Like, who comes out and tells someone like that? In a, who? I don't know. It was just well, different. Well, I think in the, in the grand Wait. scheme of things, I mean, we've all said we want to kill someone. Do we actually go and kill them? No. I mean... 5% of the population might, but, um, you know, going back to an episode ago where we were saying murderers are crazy, I don't know. Again, to all our murderers listening, uh, please don't kill us. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I see your point for sure, but at the same time, it's kind of like if you took for serious everybody who said, oh, I want to kill you, uh, I mean, I don't know how many haters you have, Brandy, but if I took everybody serious like that sort of stuff, I would just not talk to anyone, so... <laughs> oh, no, I'm just talking from, like, experience. And, like, no, yeah. for me, somebody... I've said, people said it to me, too, but I'm not a paramedic. I'm talking about, like, in those professions, True. though, like, from from witnessing certain situations, there's always been cops called when something like that has been but, said, but also, no matter on what. on the same time, though, you're like, I, I completely agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. But also, on the same time, too, you, you might think, like, well, look, we're not going to call the cops. You know, they've just lost their child. This is just going to make the situation worse if all of a sudden we've got the cops banging on their door saying, hey, you said you went... And, like, how do, how do they, like, has the guy actually flat out said, I want to kill you? Yes, this girl is saying, my father wants to kill you. But that's hearsay. You know, that would be me, like, saying, like, you know, to, to somebody right now, oh, this girl I do a podcast with, Brandy, she wants to kill me. Uh, you know, and somebody like no, that's knocks on your door. I think those are two different scenarios, though, at the same time. I mean, like I said, just from, like, witnessing situations. Because, like, cops over here, I mean, it's different. And also, those guns in America, too. So I think it's more serious True. over here, maybe. I don't know. In Australia, we just, you know, somebody says that and you just have a beer with them anyway. So it's just, you know, like, eh. Yeah, yeah, no. Over here, there's guns. Like, <laughs> totally. Cops, like, I've seen it. I've witnessed firsthand. They don't play it. They don't care if it's he said or she said. True. Cops are called. The, the one thing I would just quickly <laughs> say, like, uh, just kind of a little bit off topic, but it was funny, actually. Obviously, I would just come back from America, and um, I was in Kansas, and I was in a, a Dollar Tree store, and I was with a friend of mine, and there was this guy who was walking around with, the, he had, like, a, a young son, and but, like, he had pair of jeans on like a very visible belt and he had a he had a gun in a holster like on his on his belt and i was just staring at this like going like and i just like what the hell and then i said i said to my friend i'm like is that real and she's like yeah probably and i'm like like really just like walking around she's like yeah well you know it's the law if you've got a if you've got a license for it sometimes that you know people don't mind it makes you feel safe and i'm like there's a guy walking around with a gun visibly on his belt he's not a police officer or a security guard that makes you feel safer i know he has a gun <laughs> yeah there's you know what here's his statistics wise living in an apartment building in america there's going to be somebody who has a gun. More than just one person. And some of them might be legally owned. Others, no, they're not. It's, and it's crazy. That's I think that's why I said, like, when she said that, for me, it's so surprised because I was like, whoa. And real, if this is real life, cops have been called. He said or she said. It doesn't matter. You know, just because of guns. You know, I've shot guns. This is where there are differences in cultures because, again, like, I mean, it's not like people don't get murdered in Australia by guns. But, I mean, we have very different laws when it comes to, to guns. Like, for me to own a gun, I, I don't even – I couldn't even tell you how I could get my hands on a gun here in Australia because they're that hard to get by. But it's it's still it's still a case of just, like, you know, if that was said in Australia, it's like, ah, mate, yeah, no worries. <laughs> Oh, well, and like me, if I need one right now, I know who to call up in a heartbeat. <laughs> it's just that easy You here. just get your gun, Brandy. Don't don't be shy. Come on. 
<laughs> no, I don't. I hate guns. To be honest. I have friends who died from them, but I. It's so easy to get one in America. It's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, I've been to <laughs> yeah. Walmart. I've seen them. Uh, but just just quickly, you, just, you mentioned about the the Bosco Jimmy thing too. I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like I was saying, like the cops, you know, that would happen. But at the same time, too, uh, you know, what police officer is going to say like, okay, Jimmy, five minutes, go bash him up. Like, I mean, it's you know, exactly. Bosco's not going to let him do it. <laughs> no, he's not. No, he's not. Now I do wonder if this, <laughs> I wonder though, like if uh, if that's if this was like I wonder if police officers actually like have their like firemen's backs in real life, like oh you hit one of the buddies at the at the fire department. It, <laughs> look, I, look, I, it just depends. I think like I know like we've talked a little bit about blue bloods, how kind of that has a lot of similarities to Third Watch in many ways. But um, I know there was a storyline, as there's been a few storylines in Blue Bloods, where they kind of portray the NYPD and FDNY as not liking each other. Uh, so, like, there's kind of that storyline, and I've seen it in other shows. And then, again, that's fiction. I realise that. Like, I'm not basing real life off fiction. I've, pr- I mean, I've got a couple of photos with a couple of them. I've never. I did actually. I will say, I did have a conversation with an NYPD officer uh, during my research. I was in Ohio, and actually, it was I was at this event for 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 reality, like reality TV people there. And this guy, he was on Big Brother. But um, I had more of an interest talking to him about his time as an NYPD detective because uh, he was telling me stories about, like, he's, he was stationed as a... Um, he was, like, the first responder to, like, jumpers on a bridge who were about to, like, commit suicide. So, like, him and his partner were the good cop, bad cop, trying to talk people down from jumping. And then he also was telling me, like, he was a he was 9-11. Like, he was telling me stories about, you know, working on, on 9-11. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was fascinating conversation with him. Again, I was more interested about his time as in the NYPD than over uh, over Big Brother. But any NYPD officers, any FDMY officers listening, do you guys hate each other? Uh, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll get him on the show. Uh, my my NYPD friend, and we'll, we'll discuss that. Um, so anyway, I like we kind of we mentioned we were obviously just talking about there about the whole you know. I'm going to kill you scene there. So we're back in the ambulance with Doc and Carlos and Carlos kind of saying to like, Doc, like, you know, like, do you think he's really going to hurt us? And then like, kind of going back to what you're saying there, Brandy, you know, he was like, Doc says, well, he's just, he's mourning the loss of his daughter. You know, he's not crazy. And then what does Carlos say? Like, well, crazy people lose people all the time and they come and kill people, you know? And then Doc basically says, you're right. Sorry. And like, probably the first time we've got that, isn't it? Like Doc, acknowledging Carlos and that's because Carlos's reaction he's like what it's like yeah and don't do it again <laughs> I love it he's like yeah <laughs> yeah I love it you I know, love Carlos's like, reaction I, I was kind of half expecting Carlos to like just go full, full like first on that like yeah don't do that again you know what else that bugs me yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know? I've got a list he pulls it out of his pocket I hate it when you do this <laughs> exactly <laughs> That's, it's still just Carlos and Doc's great relationship. Again, like, it's not quite the relationship of a Bosco and Yoga. Like, it's not that it's never rock solid tight, but it has its moments, you know? And it, yeah, we've gone over it a lot, and there's still a lot to come over it, but yeah, uh, I do like that. Uh, we get a brief scene of Bosco back at the firehouse. He's really wanting that uh, firehouse precinct. He's really wanting that car. He's talked to a friend. He's gotten the guy an apartment, so he goes off to um, find him again. Cut back to Sully and Davis in the car, and uh, Sully basically telling Davis about his sister in, in Florida. Uh, obviously, you know, trying to make sure he knows he's, he's got family. Um, and then 
Back to... Uh, oh, and sorry, we'll just say Davis does ask Sully, like, do you want to come out after work with some guys from uh, the academy? And Sully's like, you know, next time, next time, Davis. It's kind of a nice little scene. Um, and then, yeah, Bosco back to where the car was. He's gone. Got the guy in an apartment. Uh, but we don't see that guy again in the car. And again, it's sort of... It's a nice little scene. showing Bosco's compassionate side. Obviously, he really wanted that car. Um, so, he went out of his way to uh to do it so there was that now we obviously get to this scene which i think we're uh this has been building up a little bit we've talked a lot about this uh kind of this relationship doc and morales and here's the beginning of our payoff for this brandy uh we've got them sitting out in the ambulance bay they're talking about you know the fact that all the family did come in they got their shots and you know morales is saying like oh you know she was alive then she wasn't and then we kind of get this uh you know talking about moving up from philadelphia here to new york and all this sort of stuff and uh then we get this, like, nice little romantic... I do like how it works, you know, when uh, she says, would it be okay if I kiss you? They kiss, and then he says, yes. And she's like, what? Like, it would be okay if you kiss me. Um, it comes out. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a build-up, isn't it? Like, I mean, I do like how they always play this, like, it's Carlos going after her, but then obviously it ends up being Doc with her. I mean, do you like this scene? Do you like how they finally get together? I do. I love this scene. I think we missed missed out a little bit on the last episode. I think there was uh, when he had his hand inside the guy's chest, right? And it was cramped up. And then Carlos witnessed that. And he was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) And then you get this scene again where he still doesn't give up. And so he walks by Doc after this happens. And he's just like, she's like the ice princess, man. Yeah, I like that. This hard game gets getting (laughs) a bit old, man. (laughs) I I love that. I love that. But I do love this scene. I love how they did it. I this was where they show instead of tell. Yeah. And it was perfect. Absolutely agree with you. And this is like, we, we, we keep talking about the slow and steady downfall of Doc and the, 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 the depth that his character goes and all the pain and all the bad stuff that just happens to Doc. Because it does. It's, it's a very sad decline for Doc. One thing I will say, though, say though is the Doc Morales relationship, again, similar to what we were talking before about Bosco and Nicole, it is an ongoing thing. It's not really a spoiler, like, it's it's a happy thing. This is an ongoing relationship that does last into the second season, and it's great. And I will say, probably the, the happiest Doc ever gets, that we see him, at least on camera, and the, the chemistry between Michael Beach and Lisa Vidal is unmistakable. These two are great together. Um, and, you know, it, it is a sad thing that this kind of, and it's sort of a spoiler alert, doesn't necessarily work out for the long term. But this is definitely something, you know, again, digging at Doc's character and his slow and steady decline into absolute depression, this is something that will affect him very heavily when it Mm -hmm. kind of comes to a certain level of this relationship. So I'm making the most of this right now, Brandon, because this is the happy moments, the honeymoon stage of their relationship, which is always the best, of course, as we know. I'm but yeah, it's, it's um, I, I, I'm, I like how they get together. It's a, it's a nice build up. I feel to it doesn't happen straight away. It doesn't take too long. It's, it's got that nice amount of time and this kind of scene with them kissing. I think it's a, it's a perfect payoff for it. And she's just a perfect female woman. Oh yeah. For, uh, oh yeah. Talk. She's so mature, and Carlos does not see that, and yet she has that wisdom as well, kind of like Doc. It's, it's just perfect. Yeah. They're just a perfect couple at this point, you know? And completely, yeah, completely agree. Yeah, completely absolutely. Completely agree. So there we go. Doc and uh, Morales uh, together. Well, I mean, it's not official, but we know they're together. Uh, so we have uh, the kitten back at the firehouse. Uh, the boy has uh, 
still with children's services. His dad's going to come from St. Louis in a couple of days. Um, and basically, um, Kim has to look after the kitten until then. And we, I've written here another new captain. This I, I, I didn't really pay too much attention to it, but this is a different captain to the one we've already seen this season. So the 5-5 the go through a lot of captains, it seems. Um, we'll get back to that in a second because we're going to see him with Kim and Jimmy in a moment. But um, just closing out the bosco Yokus storyline, uh, they're leaving work. And then what does Yoko say? Oh, there's someone on your car. And he's like, oh, no, that's Nicole. We meet Nicole. She's there in this, you know, coat. And what does Yoko say? Like, oh, is that real? And he's like, yeah, probably she's got money, which, you know, again, we will, uh, we will find out soon. Uh, Yokus meets, uh, Nicole. It's a cute little scene. I love, I love that excitable Yokus. Like, I've heard a lot about you. I've heard a lot about you. He's like, all right, you two have fun then. You know, it's like, she's just so cute and funny. And then she leaves and boss is like, no, 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 you don't have to leave. And then, <laughs> and then I love, I just love the way they look at each other. Like, these two have great chemistry. I need to find out who Nicole is played by because her and Jason Wiles have fantastic chemistry. Um, and, uh, just quickly here, Nicole, N- Nahania Johnstone. That is who Nicole is. There we go. Um, just the way they stare at each other and, uh, the way kind of he's like, you're not wearing anything underneath that, are you? And then she's like, do you really think I would show up to your place of employment nude? And he's like, yes. <laughs> and then she's not nude. She's wearing some very nice undergarments. Off, I'll just point that out. And uh, she basically wants to have sex with him right there and there on the car. And I'm assuming they do because they kind of cut away, don't they? Yeah, I'm assuming they do. Yeah. I'm- and, uh, no, I'm looking her up right now. She's a Canadian actress. She's wow. Canadian okay, actress. and I love that name. I love that name. But yeah, I love her name. Not, you said Nahan. How do you say it? I, I said Nahan. Don't go come to me for pronunciations, Brandy Man. I called you Randy last episode. I can't that. pronounce things to save my life. Come on. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I believe they do. Bosco's like right here, right now. And he's like talking about how he's so tired. Like he doesn't have the energy. He didn't. Yeah. But he, he's, he's a man, right. so let's be honest, he's going to anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's going to sure. I mean, it's, it's Bosco Rally. Come on. I'm, I mean, a, I'm being sexist was- against my own species. I'm allowed to say it. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> species? We're a species now? That's not an inappropriate thing to say, Ben. Um, what, I, I do like the line, though, that she says. Like, what, is, what does Bosco say? Like, we're not exactly alone. And she says, if you focus uh, hard enough, you anyone can be alone in a crowd. Like, I think that works in well. I mean, obviously, that's the name of the episode, but it also, like, it, it does work in well. Uh, so outside of that, Bobby's seeing Maddie get his chip, uh, his coin, whatever, and oh, his mum shows up. How sweet. Yay. Um, and then <laughs> really nothing to add. Again, Bobby and Kim, kind of this episode is just, they're just there. Uh, back to Kim, though, we've got, uh, Jimmy, you know, obviously contemplating what has happened. Um, Kim showing the kitten, uh, saying like, oh, maybe we'll get, uh, Joey a kitten. Um, and then, you know, Jimmy, not okay. What does what Kim say? Like, oh, come get some cat food with me. And Jimmy's like, oh, no, I'll just, I'll just sit here for a while. Um, I mean, look, we're going to close out with obviously the obviously emotional scene at the end, but I mean, did you have, I mean, you like Kim this episode. To me, she's not really there, but do you have anything to add on this little Jimmy Kim scene at the end? Um, I, I didn't like her. I just liked her because she was parenting the boy. She's mom. I don't know. That just touched me. Uh, yeah. Okay. So other than that, no. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, then we uh, we do close it out with uh, this very emotional scene. Like, so 
uh, Sally shows up to Maggie's house, basically. Uh, Davis's house. They're like, where's Davis? I don't know. Uh, probably off with his girlfriend that we never see. Um, but, yeah, so we get this, you know... Uh, first of all, before we get to the emotional stuff, I do like the way Maggie kind of plays it and comes out with, like, the, the dooner and sits on the, uh, the, the stoop. I, I do like that. Um, but, yeah, and Sully basically just going on about, you know, his life and, uh, you know, looking at this body. You know, he's, he's just... He's lost his mind in this job. Basically, you know, going to bed alone. Um, he's 45 soon, doesn't know where his life went. What does he say, like... He, he feels like he went to work, came home, and 25 years are gone. Um, he doesn't have anything he wants. He blew it, and he didn't even know he was in the game. Uh, it's just, it's... I've got to say, I really have to say, like, I've really... A lot of this cuts me deep in a lot of stuff that he says. And it's, you know, it's very emotional. And this is like Sully. Like, I think I've said in some other episodes, a lot of Sully I feel very connected to, just the type of character and kind of, like, outside of the job or how he is. Um, so, like, I feel very, this scene is very hard-hitting, um, but, I mean, I do think it kind of works well the way Maggie kind of says, like, you know, you've still got time, you know, it's not over yet, you know, it's kind of, it's a nice way to end it, but the music, the way that music is kind of in the background, what Sully's saying, and, I mean, Sully is a tragic character, it's kind of like saying, like, when Doc becomes a tragic character, Sully kind of is the tragic character already, who I feel does kind of have a bit of redemption in the end, I mean, he has some very you know, decent storylines in the middle sections, which again, we'll get to those. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what more I can add. I don't know what really you want to say in terms of this, this closing scene, but it's very emotional. It's very effective. I, I think you put it nicely. You know, I, it was definitely powerful and I love that. He, I definitely love the line. He's like, I felt like I went to work one, one morning and yeah. came back home trying to buy later. I think that was just summed up everything. I mean, everything else was powerful as well, but that right there was a, a very powerful line so much so you know? much I completely agree and it's like it does very much like, and I think it's, it's not just me obviously like I mean a lot of people would probably really feel that line in many contexts yeah um, and because I mean it is a very powerful the way he puts it and it's yeah it's um, it's deep you get caught in life sometimes and I get it because I feel it in my own way you know you get caught up in life and you're like you wake up one day and you're like wow did I really waste three years on something or just drama or Something random, you know. You kind of feel certain things about certain. It def- yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I don't want to get personal, but it, yeah, it was definitely powerful. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to it, like you said. Yeah, definitely. Well, that basically ends the episode out, though. So, uh, yeah, look, I think we've covered that well. We've jumped all over the place. There's a lot going on, but uh, overall, Brandy, uh, an enjoyable episode. I mean, what 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 are you going to do with this one? Are you buying it, uh, renting it, or are you bidding it? Get him some. I'm gonna get some popcorn and I'm buying it. You're buying it. You're back into the buying yep. it. Good, good answer. I, yeah. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna join you there. I think, like, I mean, it's, it's not the most, in terms of the grand scheme of third watch, it's not the one you remember the most. But I think the Sully stuff at the end, like for the overall arc of Sully as a character, I think it sells it enough and. Just, I mean, if that scene at the end wasn't there, I'd, I'd rent this episode. But I, I feel like it's definitely worthy of that buying mantle just because, yeah, that, that one scene, uh, you know, we've got Jimmy in there. We're, we're, there's nothing really bad in this episode. So, I mean, I've come full circle from binning the last episode to now buying it. Uh, so, a bit of redemption there. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll double buy it. How's that? There you go. I definitely think there's some episodes that are not as 
rememberable as they could be. However, sometimes just the dialogue alone can speak so be so powerful. Like you just gotta you just gotta buy it. I think that's what we're discovering a lot in a lot of these. Like I mean, I know in our Nip Tuck ones as well that there are definitely episodes where all it can take is one scene to really put you over that edge and buying it. And it's, it may be similar to last episode where I say like maybe there's scenes that really push me over the edge to to binning it. So um, yeah, I think it, it, it definitely can have that. Notion. I mean, again, this is definitely not a overall powerhouse of an episode, but it still has, you know, enough in there that you do want to watch this one again. So, um, there you go. That is Alone in a Crowd. It's definitely like a, a quote kind of... It's definitely... Sully's line is like one of those quotes you put on your wall. Oh, yeah. Because it's just that. Powerful. It's just like that. It's one of those you want to you, you want to look at, you want to hear it again. Yeah. Because it resonates. Definitely, definitely. Uh, now, just before we close out, just looking ahead to the next episode. So we're past halfway point of the first season. We're journeying to the Himalayas in our next episode, uh, Brandy. It's, it's a decent episode. We get a bit of uh, Davis with somebody else. We, As we said before, we get a bit more Candyman. Uh, Doc and Morales are often doing a lot of other things. Um, we, I, I like the next episode we, we get uh, Yeah, Bobby's brother, Maddie. I like how he's like having to make amends with people. Uh, and I do love that scene that we have with Bobby and Maddie in the kitchen, and he's like telling him all these truths about like I slept with this girlfriend and I did this and oh, I yeah. did that. Like, oh, so That's good. A funny scene. Uh, we get a bit more on Jimmy's background in terms of what I said earlier. He's a bit of trouble in his life going on, um, and yeah, we we get a few other things going on as well. So it's a decent episode. Uh, I don't know if you got anything to add on that before we close this out. No, I'm gonna definitely rewatch it, and I'm excited to talk about it next we, next podcast next episode. Well, we're excited to have your company uh, wherever you're listening to us. As always, you can subscribe to us, iTunes, easiest way. While you're there, feel free to uh, rate us, leave us some feedback on there. Definitely, as well, we always appreciate any feedback as well. You can email us, Facebook, Twitter. We are available there. Uh, of course, uh, Stitcher. If you don't use an Apple device, if you're an Android user, and again, we should keep tagging the fact that we are on Spotify. We're very proud to be on Spotify. Uh, podcasts are now being added to the service. So if you are out there and you listen to your favorite music and every now and then you're like, I'm sick of listening to Justin Bieber. I want to listen to a podcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. So we're all part of your subscription. You just search for the Oz Network and you can find us on there. It is that simple and uh as i said facebook likes on there search for the oz network follow us on twitter and uh we're all there and very excited to be there as i disgustingly put a bit of a burp in my voice that was embarrassing um time to close out how i feel we'll be back next week as i said with the next episode of our third watch on you can if you're a nip tuck fan survivor fan amazing race fan plenty of other episodes you'd keep your entertained in the meantime as well but oh goodness i, I need to leave here brandy my my uh, digestive systems <laughs> taking over how unprofessional this is why no one listens to us um, my name is Ben <laughs> and uh, you you began listening to this episode about an hour ago you came home and you don't know where your life went yeah sounds about you you know what you close it off just right stay tuned, tuned for the next episode thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at theoznetwork.net